Daniel Lucas, and welcome to Book 101. Book 101 is all about the books that I've read for the last 40 years. And today I have my special guest. He's a award winning author and best to know other than Mr. Carl Vandero. Thank you. Thank you, Danielle. Glad to be here. Welcome back, Mr. Carl. And can you please introduce yourself? Sure, sure. I've, uh, I um, came from a banking background. I was a banker for 30 years, and I worked all over the world. I started in Chicago, worked in Montreal. I did a lot of work in Latin America, did some work in North Africa. I was actually... Um, in uh, in Algeria three months after the Iraq invasion. So uh, that all has led into my writing. And uh, I published uh, my first book in 2019 called Murder of Belia. And uh, that book some, won some awards. It won a Left Coast Crime Award as well as a San Diego Book Award. And I've now become an author full time. So my second book, uh, Saving Miles, was just published in August. And it just won a, an AmeriFest uh, Best Book Award for Best Mystery Suspense. So um, here I am. I'm tr doing my best to be a full-time author, working on another book now. Congratulations, Mr. Carl. And let's do the recap of Saving Miles. Yeah, sure. Um, saving, my uh, motto is that behind every crime is a family. And uh, so I deal a lot with family dynamics in my book because the family is uh, part of the reason the crime occurs and the family uh, influences how the crime is solved. So in the case of Saving Miles, I've got two parents who had a very difficult time raising their son. And the, uh, and the father is a workaholic, has been, hasn't been involved in the child rearing hardly at all, and the wife it has fallen to her to raise their son, and she saved him time and time again. But when he's 16, she finds Oxycontin in his closet. So now they have no choice. They have to save his life. So they forcefully send him to a residential treatment center. But he comes back a year later, and he's seemingly cured. I mean, he's got a new attitude. He's in high school. He's getting straight A's. And then he sneaks off to Mexico uh, to do a drug deal and gets kidnapped. Now the parents are in a real pickle because they've spent all their money on the treatment, but the wife has a great contact with the nonprofit she works for, and he runs a bank, and her contact says, look, I will help you negotiate his release, and I'll even lend you the money for the ransom. But in exchange, I want your husband, who is one of the premier bankers in all of San Diego, to come work for my bank. So it seems to be solved, and they get their son back. But as, as the husband begins to work for this bank, he realizes they're doing some sketchy things like money laundering. And now not only is his son in danger, but he's in danger as well as his estranged wife. So that's the premise for that one. 
Interesting, Mr. Kaoso people. If you miss our episodes, go back and listen to our episode because it's something else. It's one of a kind. Because Mr. Carl talks about how this book crafted and many more. So, Mr. Carl, which one of your books we're gonna talk about today? Well, we'll talk about Murderabilia today, the first book that I wrote, and it's a very different tone from、uh, Saving Miles. What's the big difference of Murderabilia to Saving Miles?、Uh, well, Murderabilia, just in brief. It's about a、uh, private banker for the very wealthy, who has his life torn apart when he's accused of being a serial killer, like his father, and、uh, so it gets into serial killers. And his father was a, a very,、uh, a very well-known serial killer.、Um, in this case, if I can just give a brief、um, description of the premise, maybe. Yes. All right, so、uh, William is this private banker for the wealthy, and he's been hiding this terrible secret for a long time. And that's when he was eight years old. His father was arrested for killing thirteen women and taking photographs of their bodies.、Um, it was such a stigma and trauma that his mother moved him and his sister to California, changed their name. And they don't tell anyone who the husband father was, who's still in prison in Illinois. So now William has grown up. He's working for this Tony Bank, and no one there knows who his father is. But then his wife's colleague is murdered in the same way his father would do it, and all the evidence points to William. The only way, really, to、uh, to prove his innocence. Is for him to go back and see the father he hasn't seen for more than thirty years to get help in solving the crime. How did you craft it, Murderabilia? Well, I there are a few things I wanted to do.、Um, I thought, you know, you you play this what if game as an author. So what if this happens, and then that's solved, but it creates this problem. So what if this happens with that problem, and you kind of just go out from there. And my first what-if question was, you know, I've done some private banking, and what would be a secret that no private banker would want their customers to know? Well, suppose your father was a serial killer, and he's infamous,、um, and his photographs of his victims are all over the internet. That would be something that you want wouldn't want anyone to know.、Um, and then I thought, well, I was raised as a Christian scientist, which the A religion that believes that the, basically you can heal any problem and any physical problem through the mind, and that、uh, in, in the most extreme cases, people believe that if you just reflect God,、uh, that、um, evil does not exist, and so evil is really a false perception, particularly as you view it in others. And so I thought, boy, what a perfect religion for the wife of a serial killer. Because it leads into complete denial, right? So I I put that in there as well. And then、uh, someone told me, well, you know, what does the serial killer do that makes him different and so infamous? Well, it's the photography. So I had to learn quite a bit about photography, but that is a big element in it. And he,、uh, and William's father actually patterns some of his photographs on 
and very well famous, well-known famous photographs from the past. So I put that in there as well. Um, I had um, I had done a lot of international banking in Colombia and Algeria, um, so I put a couple of chapters in there as well. So you combine all these things, and hopefully you come out with something unique. Murderabilia, what behind the title of your Davian novel? Yeah, well, so his father, my my conceit is that his father started this market of artwork produced by serial killers. And actually, there is such a market, and it's called murderabilia. Uh, so John Wayne Gacy has, you know, hundreds of paintings that are sold for thousands of dollars by dealers. Um, they even sell Ted Bundy's glasses or... or uh, Adolf Hitler's paintings. I mean, just this stuff is sold all over the web. The web. Uh, and so my, my conceit here was that uh, his father, because the photographs were so well composed, that he started this market and that his photographs are sold all over the web. Um, if you ever want to be kind of creeped out, uh, look up the term murderabilia and you'll see all the things that are for sale. Uh, the other side of it, too, is that there is a, um, the father uh, saw a pen and ink drawing by Albrecht Durer, um, and it's called Praying Hands, as in, you know, prayer, and he copied that in much of his murders, and he became, became known with the moniker Praying, P-R-E-Y-I-N-G, Hands. So that's in there as well. What inspired you to write your debut novel, Murder Belia? Well, I mean, as, as I mentioned, you know, um, I wanted to put it in the private banking industry. I wanted that terrible secret. Um, the book even starts out, the first line is, I manage secrets. Um, and what is the worst secret a family could have? It did a lot of research for that as well, to see what it's like to be the child of a serial killer. So, uh, and then, you know, uh, it's, it's a very, very tough existence. Um, for instance, um, uh, two people, Carrie Rawson was this, the daughter of Dennis Rader, who was born as Bind, Torture, Kill, and he was arrested in, in Kansas. And uh, she remembers, she wrote a book, and she remembers that he used to go camping with her. They'd go buy ice cream. Um, he'd take her to church. He was very active in church. He marched her, or marched. He led her down the aisle at her wedding. And then one day, um, an FBI agent shows up at her door and says, did you know your, your father is really a serial killer? And it's, it's like, uh, it's a terrible shock. It's as if your whole life her was a lie. I mean, uh, how could you never be aware of that? Well, there's some weird things he did, but you don't suspect your father is a serial killer, right? And I think, and there's such a stigma, and everyone in the community thinks you should have known. Uh, you worry that there's some kind of uh, gene that you can pass to your children, and that they will have this same terrible tendency. Maybe worst of all is you think, how could I love a man that would do something like that? 
how can I love a monster like that? So it was very tough. Um, there was uh, Melissa Moore, who is also uh, the child of uh, Keith Jesperson, who was the Green River Killer. She wrote a book as well, and you know some weird things that he would kill cats when he when their father would kill cats. And but as a child, you don't really make those connections to how dangerous your own father is. Uh, plus, I mean, there's a natural there's a natural denial that takes place. Um, for instance, um, Mikhail Popkov was a Russian serial killer. He killed more than 50 people. And his daughter thinks that he was framed. <laughs> so, <laughs> 50 people framed. So, you know, and then, I mean, Fred and Rose West in England, um, they would be... <laughs> Their parents together killed people, including one of their own daughters. And they would herd the children in the basement and they'd hear these screams above them and didn't know what was going on. So you can imagine how that affects your life, the rest of your life. Um, another example is Charlie Manson. Um, he actually had three sons. And uh, one of those sons uh, was uh, committed suicide, uh, three different mothers, one committed suicide, one was bullied throughout his school years because they knew who he was, and the other one, they don't know what his name is or where he lives, and he's pr probably the most normal of the, of the sons. So that gives you an idea of what I'm trying try to explore in this book. All about before we go on, I want to shout out to the people listening in Kuwait. Shukran Jazil and Kuwait because in Al Asima I got 85% audience share, Hawali at 8%, and Al Ahmadi at 8%. Shukran Jazil and Kuwait for supporting this podcast because this podcast is created to empower writers all over the world, like Mr. Carl Zandero. Murderabilia, can you describe the research process behind? Debian novel. Well, certainly a lot of it was um, uh, researching, you know, children of serial killers and what a terrible stigma they have to live through, how it's really hard on the whole family. And it's interesting that the children are more ready to talk about it than the wives are. Uh, it's pretty hard to explain being a wife of a, ch a serial killer that you didn't know what was going on, uh, but it happens. So there was a lot of research that way. Um, I also had to do some research on uh, photography because a lot of it relates to famous old photographs and the father did black and white photographs. And I didn't know that much about photography. So I had to learn a little bit about it uh, and learn what the history was. Um, so that was the kind of research. The banking, of course, I knew. Uh, the Christian science element, the religious element of it, I knew. So that wasn't too hard. I had to do a little bit of work on murderabilia, you know, what it is and, and who's dealing in this stuff. And, you know, is it controlled or not controlled? Uh, so, so those were the areas I, I looked into. So, Mr. Carl, if we compare murderabilia to Silence of the Lamb of Mr. Thomas Harris, what's the big difference? Well, there's a, um, that has a lot to do with um, feeling as an orphan. 
um, and you know being uh, uh, abandoned by your family. In terms of murderabilia, this is a family that is stuck together, even though they're constantly fighting. Um, that one doesn't have anything to do with photography. Uh, Hannibal Lecter is uh, is brilliant in his own in his own way, uh, which in a, in a different way than than Harvey Dean Kogan is in this book, uh, because he uh, he's not a, a Kogan the serial killer in this one. The father is not uh, scientifically based. He's more the artist in terms of photography. Um, I think the childhood that that created that serial killer is different uh, than Hannibal Lecter. Um, in this case, uh, the, the father was created by a terribly abusive mother. And he also had, there was a genetic component as well. I think if you do research into serial killers, it's, it's, there are triggers from society, but there are also some things that they're born with. Uh, so, um, Let's see, Starling is a little different than, uh, than William is in this book in that she's an FBI agent or training to be one. And William is a banker and he's not intending to get into uh, law enforcement at all. Uh, but he's still guided and sort of played with by his father. So, Mr. Carl, do you think murderabilia is good for a motion picture or... Um, I think <clears throat> probably, well, I think either one, and then I would take either one. Um, it's a dark novel because I do describe how the, the, what the photographs look like, which with these are December dismembered women who are posed with props in black and white photos. So it's dark. It's not a, it wouldn't be a, a Walt Disney movie either. What challenges did you face while you writing Murderabilia? Well, it was my first book, so I had to learn a lot. And uh, I had a really good premise. Um, and I went to a writer's conference. And I was looking for a developmental editor to help me structure the book. And I ended up talking to Jacqueline Michard, who she wrote a book called Deep end, of the, deep end of the Ocean. It was the first selection by the Oprah Book Club. And uh, she said, I think I can help you. So she did and learned a lot from her in terms of, you know, just the writing itself as well as the structure, as well as, you know, getting the backstory right, um, honing it a bit, trying to make it more credible. Um, so those were all difficult things to do, getting the voice right, um, and getting the, um, the, the FBI kinds of technique right, that was a difficult challenge as well. So just becoming a, a, a good enough writer to get published was, was, the big, was the big challenge. Definitely, indeed. But before we go on, Mr. Carl, I'm inviting you to listen to my other podcast, Food 101, our third season, which have Alessandro, one of the best executive chef in one of the five-star restaurant in downtown Toronto. Please do listen to our latest episode. We talk about sanitation people and hygiene in the kitchen. Plus one more, our books are out. Not only one, but 12 volumes, people. Food 101, Volume 1 Basics, and two 
12 is only the books that you need how to create a delicious food available on Amazon and leading online bookstores worldwide. And our uh, Christmas uh, volume 13 Christmas dinner is coming soon, people. So please do support. Murder Belia, what is the best highlight? Um, I think, let's see, I think with the uh, father uh, first meeting again with his son, or, or William meeting again with his father for the first time in 30 years, in time inside a notorious prison in Illinois, I think that was one of the highlights there, and how the father kind of plays with him, and William has to get the answers to some of his questions, and while he's deeply resenting his father. Yes. So how do you feel your personal experiences have shaped your writing? Well, in this case, um, there was a, a fair amount. I mean, my father was never a serial killer, <clears throat> but I was raised a Christian science and scientist. And that in this book, it's kind of a delusional religious aspect. And so I knew all about that. Um, I, uh, I was a banker. And I was a private banker for the wealthy. I knew so I could bring that experience to the book. Um, you know, and I've traveled to Colombia and Algeria where a couple of chapters take place. I could, I could bring that to the book as well. So all those experiences uh, played out. And according to Miss Kathleen, fantastic book. What are the elements that you put in the novel that make your readers glued to it? Well, I think there has to be tension throughout. There has to be a family that is linked together by this experience. They, they, um, the, the brother and sister are deeply bonded and very much love them, love each other. Um, and the mother is a problem, but they, they are also bonded to her. So I think that first and foremost, and then there's, um, there's, a, there's a lot of tension and twist in the book. So, you know, you finish one chapter and there's a question that has to be in the next chapter. It's a scary book um, and kind of in some ways creepy. Uh, so that keeps people glued. I mean, will his children be all right? Will his wife be all right? Who else is going to be murdered? So that keeps people turning the pages. Um, and, you know, and as in most thrillers, uh, the short chapters help because you just Get, a, get into and out of a scene quickly. Yes, and according to Lamb, complex crime novel with captivating characters. Let's talk about the characters of the book. Well, so you've got, uh, you've got the son, William, who's this banker with a secret, who's just, he's not a particularly successful banker, but he is a banker, and part of it is because he's keeping this secret, so he never opens up with anyone. And then you got his sister, who is gay, and um, she runs a restaurant and has felt that her mother has never accepted who she was. Um, and she has really been the strength while William has been growing up. She's feisty, um, very opinionated, um, and is not, has no problem getting into a fight. Then you've got the mother who is trying to, she had tried to raise her children by... Uh, in, in effect, walling off what their father did. 
refused to talk about it, refused to even think about it herself, tried to focus them on the religion in terms of uh, uh, godlike qualities that they needed to emulate, which never gave them a chance to mourn what had happened to them. Um, and she's, of course, uh, you find out a secret, her own secret at the end, that the way she saved her children. So those are the three main characters. Harvey Dean Kogan is this, the serial killer in the middle of it all. And he was greatly tormented when he was a child by his mother who beat up him as well as his brother. And in one of those instances, she put his brother locked into a storage uh, locker outside in the middle of the summer and the brother died from heat stroke. So that's where he was growing up with that hatred around him and that terrible abuse, which certainly contributed to not only why he became a serial killer, but the themes he used in serial killing. He, constantly, he would kill women who he could justify as being bad mothers. According to Pan Age, best psychological hmm. thriller since Silence of the Lambs. Are you going to do another genre? Ah, well, I think I'll stay in the crime genre, but I'm not doing serial killers anymore. I think that will be the first and last book I do with a serial killer at the, particularly one as um, ghastly as Harvey Dean Kogan at the center of what I do. Um, so I do standalones, and uh, I will continue to do standalones. At some point, I will con consider a sequel. I even tried to do a sequel to this one, but it, it didn't work. Um, so I'll stay in the crime element, I think. I'm thinking about doing something more uh, historical, not deeply historical, like in the 70s. I would like to do something like that. I'm experimenting with voices, but I'm not going to do um, fantasy. I won't be doing sci-fi. I won't be doing rom-com, uh, although the book I'm working on now has a lot of romantic elements to it. So... I don't know, whatever interests me and whatever I can do to write a good book. And if you go back and give advice to yourself when you are first starting out as a writer, what would it be? Well, I think you need uh, criticism. You need, uh, you need input on, as to what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong, uh, both on just scenes in terms of the style of your writing. You know, have, have you used the senses? Is the, is the scene dragging? Uh, where's the conflict in the scene? What is the resolution? Those are all kind of scene-oriented. But the big one that a lot of writers don't get is a viewpoint of the structure of the book. What's the first act? What's the second act? What's the third act? Or, you know, however you structure it. I think uh, that big panorama is really important. Um, is your ending satisfying? Does your first chapter really establish the characters as well as the bonds between them. So that's something you have to learn from a technique standpoint. I think also that many writers don't know how to promote themselves and how to get involved in the writing community. And I think that's really important. Uh, so, you know, doing podcasts like with you, Danielle, and uh, doing anything you can to promote your book, entering contests, getting involved with other writers, getting involved with writing organizations, for instance, I'm uh, the president of a chapter of, of an organization called Sisters in Crime. And uh, they are a national organization with 4,000 members. And 
we're basically uh, fans and writers of crime writing and, you know, in 60 different cities. So getting involved with those because you get the exposure and as well as you get the support and you can help support other people. So I, you know, that is something you have to get involved in publicly. Two things. Uh, oh, I would say two that um, most writers, this is the third thing, most writers submit their books too early before they're really ready. So I say that the three most important uh, qualities I have as a writer have nothing to do with writing. And that is patience, tenacity, and open-mindedness. So, Yes, people be tenacious. <laughs> try, yeah. try and try until you succeed, as they said. And so, oh, yeah. so, Mr. Carl, can you read the first paragraph of Prologue of Murderabilia? I manage secrets. Sometimes my clients take years to reveal them. Hidden trusts for mistresses and drug-addled kids. Weddings held up for months or years because someone beloved refused to sign a prenuptial agreement. Once I helped a dying business owner design an estate plan that forced his first wife's children to be civil to his second wife or they'd lose their inheritance. Over the years, I've learned that my biggest value is not my expertise, but my discretion. The clients at our bank count on me to stay in the background, but always be close at hand. They appreciate that I buy my suits at Macy's and drive a Camry instead of a BMW or red sports coupe. Of course, there are the usual loan requests, but any banker can handle those. Even the 26-year-olds who hone their sales skills by hawking magazines can get loans approved for the families I work with. But only a special banker can protect a client's secrets. And thank you, Fitzpatrick, for being the number two of the 100 best book podcasts on the planet and being the number one best art book in the category thank you so much and body people see you soon